I really wanted to be an opera singer mm -hmm. during my uh, bachelor degree. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be a bachelor uh, uh, opera singer, and I'm really talented in it, by the way. Mm -hmm. I, I had all the skills needed, but I hated it. I hated the process. I hated singing in front of people like that. I hated being, I hated having to do 15 hours a day of just practicing that. And I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes uh, doing, doing, uh, doing the path you love could make you really hate the thing you really love. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world. But since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So... If you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all years. You can reach me on Instagram at Malani Sarma, on my website, malanisarma.com, or on Facebook at Malani Sarma, M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Denise Enverova. Denise was born in Bulgaria, but she moved to the United States when she was 10 years old. She always knew that she wanted to become an archaeologist from a very young age. While her parents were trying to navigate the American dream, Denise pursued and made sure that everything that she did would lead her to become an archaeologist to fulfill her lifelong dream, only to realize that there are limitations that go with it. And this is her story. Hey, Denise, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So you were born in Bulgaria, but you were raised in the U.S. So tell me a little bit about your experience growing up, because I know your dad worked in the U.S. Um, in my experience growing up, uh, I... Uh, we migrated to America in 97 uh, from uh, from Sofia and my dad went to work in a okay so I migrated to America in 97 from Sofia uh, from my dad's work in uh, this company called um, what's it called Genmark and Genmark. Uh, these companies were established first in the Bay Area by Bulgarian engineers, which uh, hired a bunch of other people to work for them. So uh, technically, I was uh, still raised in a very Bulgarian community, but in a different context. Wow. Okay. So how old were you when you first came to the U.S.? 10, 10, 10. Okay. So was that a big change for you from you know, from Bulgaria, from Sofia to uh, the Bay Area? Or was it, like you said, very much still surrounded by 
the same kind of community? Uh, it was I was surrounded by the same kind of community, but but uh, but it's it's a big change because the culture is very different uh, here. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, it, 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 uh, there's it's going to be different, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest difference is that once we came here, all of these kids were completely like uh, released from their parents. Uh, our parents lived in a completely different world than us. Like our parents had no idea what we were doing, where we we're going, who we we're talking. They, they were completely unable to or completely helpless mm -hmm. to navigate us. So we, we kind of like, they, they had no idea what anybody was doing, who they were doing it with, where they're going, what they're talking. Neither could they, they couldn't speak their language. We could, or the other way around. And so everybody was kind of like, okay, have fun. So how was it in Bulgaria growing up? Well, in Bulgaria, my parents were much more hands-on. Also, being constantly raised by your grandparents, ah. which... You, I don't have. I didn't have here. I mean, mm -hmm. there was no grandparent. Uh, grandparents are much more of the person you spend time with. Mm -hmm. uh, grandparents are much more uh, hands-on, mm -hmm. uh, and then they and then they spoil you. But mm -hmm. the parents, because they they can navigate their own world, and it, this is not only my experience. This is exactly what happened to us first-generation kids, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because all the parents were together all the time, so we know they were completely clueless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we had we had huge, these huge Bulgarian parties, which still go on, by the way. Mm -hmm. They're just not nearly as clueless. Um, every every American holiday, every every Bulgarian holiday was an occasion for like these huge groups of people to get together. Mm -hmm. So uh, so when you first came, uh, you didn't speak English or did you speak English? No, I didn't speak English. So you learned English in school. You're ten years old. You must have been like what in fifth grade. It must have been really hard. Oh, well, okay. I think kids learn language much faster. I I don't remember how I learned English other than the fact that uh, I watched TV and TV mm. taught me English. That's also the way I learned Turkish. I I just watched like a stupid show over and over again mm -hmm. until I figured out the words. Also. I had a I, I, I met two girls mm -hmm. and then I would watch them talk and occasionally I would begin to speak with them. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it, it's it's much easier when you're a child. Uh, true, true. I don't I don't remember I don't remember I don't remember the not speaking English thing. Okay. And so, I, I, so I think I think it happens very. It's very common with immigrant kids when you like when you go to Bulgaria and you take grandparents. You know, it automatically your brain switches to Bulgarian, so you're thinking in Bulgarian as well, right? And then when you yeah. come to the U.S., you switch again, and then you start thinking in English. It's just that it's just the way that you you navigate the language barrier, correct? Uh, yeah, except uh, the the uh, a lot of the kids, uh, their parents once they learned, they stopped speaking Bulgarian at home, so they they just everybody just completely started speaking English. So they they lost the language. My parents never stopped speaking Bulgarian to me. Oh, okay. Yep, that happens. I can totally yeah. relate to that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I'm I'm an immigrant <laughs> to this country, but in my parents' yes. case they 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 lived outside of india they lived in the uk 
And and in order for them, for my mom to learn to speak English, they just started speaking English, you know? Yeah. yeah, So so we grew up speaking English. And so when I go to my grandparents' house, I have to speak in the local language because my grandparents never spoke English. But it was, it was like you said, it's a transition, you know? As a kid, you pick up stuff faster um, than when you're an adult. you, You pick it up much faster and you pick it up in a different way too. True. True, true, true. So right now, you're in the middle of an archaeological dig in Bulgaria. But growing up, is that what you wanted to do? What did you What did you dream about? What you wanted to be? Yep, I wanted to be an archaeologist ever since I could remember. How did you How did you decide that that's what you wanted? Did you see a movie? Did you have friends, family, anybody who did that? How did you figure and out that's what no, you wanted to do? Sofia, uh, Sofia in Bulgaria is a is an archaeological site in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always like in your face. Mm. Archaeology is always in your face. Also, it, also, it's a subject in school. You don't just like you don't just learn about it later. It's you learn archaeology, history, these types of things from first grade. Wow. Uh, but but I I kind of I kind of wanted to be an Egyptologist, and then and I was like, and then and then I watched that movie, The Mummy, and I really wanted to be an Egyptologist, and then, and then it turns out that. In America, if you want to be an archaeologist, you have to be an anthropologist. So that's how I became an anthropologist. Oh, okay. So, so growing up, you were in the U.S. You know, so from from kindergarten, from elementary school onwards. So right from then on, you you spent summers in Bulgaria, and you still do, right? So you go back pretty often and spend time uh, with your uh, family there, right? So uh, yes, we did. Uh, except for the first three years, uh, you didn't have the right to leave the country. So not the first three years. Oh, I think. Okay. okay. Um, so that that dream just got reinforced every time you went back. No, I didn't need reinforcement. <laughs> I, I I never. I I don't I don't ever remember having any other career um, idea in my head. Is that common for Bulgarians to be archaeologists? Because it's a because Sofia in Bulgaria is so rich in archaeology. Uh, it's is it common for Bulgarians to be archaeologists in, in the U.S. Americans? No, it, are you asking me in Bulgaria? In Bulgaria, yeah, archaeology is a popular choice. Oh, it is. Uh, okay, it, it's a popular choice. Uh, uh, it is a popular choice, mm, but but I, I don't I don't really have a perspective of how popular of a choice it is like I mean I, I mean obviously I have a huge group here that I look at right, right <laughs> and then right. I know and and I know they there's like a billion digs uh, mm-hmm. I know it's much more accessible it's like a thing everybody knows I I know TV's comment like part of the mm-hmm. new segment is usually archaeology oh, okay not, uh, yeah so it, it's not it's not like a it's not like I think if you hit a random person on the street they know what archaeology is versus in the U.S. not so much so having been brought up in the U.S., you know, and you're being the only child of your parents, did, did your parents have a lot of influence on in what they wanted you to do? Or did uh, no. you kind of decide that this is what I want to do and they were okay with it? Uh, no, as, no. As I said, my parents uh, and me completely, like, lived, lived separate lives mm-hmm. until the age of, like, 23. Like, they had no idea what the heck I was doing mm-hmm. with anyone, anywhere. Okay. Anything, I, I I could smuggle drugs for all they knew. <laughs> and they had a completely different paradigm to shift. 
after you finished high school, yeah, what were your plans? To to do whatever degree I need to do to be an archaeologist. So did you have? I mean, did you have to come to Bulgaria and ask? You know, because you because it's very common in Bulgaria. Did you? Is that what you were planning to go back to Bulgaria to do archaeology, or you just wanted to do it anywhere in the world? I uh, no, I wanted to do uh, like uh, probably near Eastern archaeology. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I didn't associate it with Bulgaria until like 2014. Oh, okay. Why 2014? Yes. Okay, and th that's when I started working here on this site. Oh, okay. So, um, so, so tell me. So after you finished high school, uh, where'd you go? You went to do undergrad in anthropology, and then you went to do your master's, and yes, then I you went do PhD. How did? How? What was that journey like? So I, I did my bachelor's in anthropology in San Jose State University, and I and I, I loved it. I, it was a really good program there, um, and it, it was. I hated high school, and I loved college. And, and then uh, I wanted to be because I always knew I wanted to be do a PhD. I decided to do a master's that's more specific to what I want to do. So I went to Ankara and did a, a master's in Anatolian archaeology and art history. Okay, so you're using Ankara in Turkey. Uh, yeah, but it was in English, but it was in Turkey. Okay. So I did my master's in Turkey, and then using that master's, I applied to uh, the the Notre Dame PhD program. Okay. And, and plus, uh, at that point, I already had a lot of fieldwork experience. Mm -hmm. Because every because not only every year would you go back, but then you would be also as part of your degree, you would be going on digs. Mm, uh, yeah, I, but at that, at that point, I, I, again, but by myself, but not in Bulgaria, in Turkey. I, I went on digs in Turkey. Okay, why Turkey? Um, but because I wanted to do Near Eastern archaeology. Oh, okay. So that's why you, you made sure that your plans, uh, you decided your plans and you uh, where you wanted to go to school and what did you want to work on. Based on that, you had decided where you were going to go. So... Like you said, your parents were completely disassociated from all the decisions that you were making. You were not afraid. Uh, no, I like I like it like that. I mean, they they would give me advice, but but uh, I don't I don't think uh, many of these parents are like. Let me tell. They're not. They're not. I mean, I mean, it, it depends on how you define that associating with my decisions. I mean, it's not, it's not, I'm not getting to tell them where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I told them where I'm going or what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Okay. I know because I'm the, the reason I ask is um, immigrant parents are very protective of their children. At the same, on one hand, they are protective, but on the other hand, they have no clue, right? Because you're, you're literally surviving in a foreign uh, country and the rules are different. So what works at home doesn't work outside. So, and, and you as a child, uh, as a first gen, you kind of navigate two different cultures, one at home and one outside. So my parents leave a world of like communism and post-Soviet things. So for them, this is like, well, whatever you want. <laughs> it's like much, yeah, so I, don't, I don't think the stresses or the problems of America are even like slightly to what they think they've experienced. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so they, uh, I, I mean, I feel like 
I feel like they got that my mom became like had these stupid rules. The older I got, like I feel like when I was little, I had no rules, and then the older I got. When I was 20 years old, she forced me to come home at 12 a.m. for no other reason but that she had to go to work the next day and she didn't want me to wake her up. That was that was the reason I had to be home at 12 a.m. Okay. So it was more but of a my, practical solution, not because practical rules. It wasn't about safety or anything. No, it's not about safety. And plus, again, the group I'm hanging out is all her friends' children. Uh, okay. So Which she knows I mean, exactly what's happening. Oh no, she had no idea. We were doing really bad stuff, but <laughs> but 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 uh, I I think I think they were like, oh, they're all sinking in the same boat together. Or no, no, you know what? They're just clueless. That that's what it is. They 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 just they just thought it's like uh, they they have they have no idea because they have no idea how American life is and what kids are getting involved. In. They, they couldn't. They, there's no way they can navigate that. I mean, they're worried about like. Oh, is somebody spying on us? Not. Oh, did they go to a party that I didn't allow them to go to? Wow. Okay. So like you said, they're on a completely different, their, their outlook is completely different because they're coming from a Soviet. Uh, it, yeah. Okay. So I mean, my, my mom's like, oh, am I going to learn English and get a job? My dad's like, oh, am I going to, uh, am I going to, get a promotion uh, uh that that's that's they're not like oh what have these kids gotten into much more of like a throw in the water and float type of a thing mm. yeah sink or swim right yeah yeah exactly that's interesting must have been quite the interesting uh, uh growing up in that in that kind of an environment or you didn't think anything of it because it was whatever it was. I, I really liked, I, I really liked my uh, experience. I really enjoyed it. So it, go, going into archeology, span what was the easiest or the best part and what was the worst part of it? The actual process or just like working in an anthropology, in archeology? span just working in uh, archaeology and, and the process, but because I'm looking point? at you as a, you know as a you know Hello? growing growing up in that environment. No, so so you are okay. unusual in the sense um, that you are so uh, you on. are so focused. Let's see if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Unlike a lot of people who don't know what they want to do when they're growing up. You, on the other hand, were already single-minded focus on what you were going to do and what you were going to be, right? So everything that you did was to that one goal. So in your head, when you were starting to go into archaeology and, you know, what was the most, you know, the easiest and the hardest decision that you had to make? And once you got into archaeology and you were doing the job that you had, you know, you had decided that you were going to do from right from the time you were a child, did any of that change? Okay, uh, but going into it and getting the process, I there's no there's no decision that I made that I think that anything um, was difficult. Mm. I didn't. I know I was never faced with a difficult decision getting okay. to the process. But once I became an archaeologist, I I think the hardest part is this. I'm an I became an archaeologist in America, but that's not a job I could really do in America. Oh, okay. 
so the hardest part is realizing that maybe you shouldn't always have to follow your goals. Maybe that's not always the, that, but maybe following your goals is not the only good option. So if you don't achieve your goal, maybe that's a good, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe sometimes you shouldn't achieve your goal. Maybe your goal is really not smart. Wait, but when you say that you couldn't be an archaeologist, even though you became an archaeologist in the U.S., you couldn't be one here. Is it because you were looking for digs in the U.S.? Oh yeah, in the in the U.S., uh, I think the way to be an archaeologist is in is in a very limited uh, way. It's like you have to have a PhD, you have to uh, be a professor, um, it, and it's it's very much limited in the academic realm. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's everywhere else. It's a job like anywhere else. <laughs> it's just a job you get and you get training. So, for example, let me give you an example. There's an 18 year old here, right here, that next door to me, that's a new this year for our team. He probably has more experience than I, I, I bet you some of our professors. Saying that, for example, there's a 20 year old boy here experienced and is a better archaeologist than some other professors. And that's because he's doing it as a job and he's getting trained for it. Yeah, because he's been doing it since probably high school. Uh, and and it's and it's not like two months and that's it. it the archaeology is a full year thing. You do nine months of days and then the rest of the year you document, you process, you go to symposiums and then you get paid for this. Mm, okay. Archaeologists here get paid near what engineers make. So, so that's why I'm saying in, in Bulgaria, it's almost like it's a legit profession because everybody. It's a, it's a profession. It's a profession. Um, it's a profession and you get paid quite nicely for the standards here. Wow. Um, they make almost as much as engineers. Did you ever think that you should just go back to Bulgaria and become an archaeologist there? I am an archaeologist here, but I don't think I can move to Bulgaria at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If I was if I was by myself, right, and I was married, I didn't have kids, I would, but mm-hmm. I I can't do that. Now you you're you're married to an archaeologist as well, right? Yep, yep. And, and who you, also can't do archaeology in America? Because if I wanted to do archaeology in America, I have to do um, CRM, which is like a, you make these connections and then you get and, and they call the same people over and over again. It's, it's hard to tap in at that point. I, I'm sure you can tap in, but it, it's just not the same mm-hmm. thing. It's seasonal and you're on a contract. Mm. You're not being you're not being paid a salary. Right. Unless so, you get employed by a business. But mm-hmm. again, these things are much more difficult to na- navigate. Mm-hmm. Do you ever regret uh, becoming an archaeologist? Do you ever think that maybe I should have done something else? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I think, I think uh, uh, yes, I, I love what I do and I enjoy it. Uh, but then again, it's like, well, my must, I always follow my dreams. Like, is that is that really like the only way to be happy and live a fulfilled life? Maybe not. Maybe there's more logical things I could have done. Well, I mean, it's not like the end of the world. You can still do whatever you want, you know, It's it, with, with the degree and the information and the experience that you have. So, oh, No, it's not the end of the world. I'm saying the opposite. If, if you don't achieve your goal, it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. Right. 
I'm I'm saying I'm saying the opposite that mm -hmm. uh, there's still ways that you could have a meaningful life. I mean, achieving your your goal, your lifelong dream, is not the only hill to climb. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think, like you said, it's uh, it's learning the lesson from whatever experience that you that you have, right? So if things don't work the way you it didn't go the way you wanted it to maybe there was something else and that's okay yeah so exactly i i know your road to your doctorate was quite tenuous it was not an it was not uh, the easiest but now having now that you are dr kava denise kava, so what are your future plans what do you plan to do with that uh, I'm, I have no plans to do anything with it. And my plan is to just find a job. <laughs> <laughs> but you're enjoying your dig that you're doing right now. I am enjoying my dig that I'm doing now. Absolutely. Which, by the way, the things I do in this dig, I would need to be a tenured professor to do in the U.S. Just FYI. Wow. Wow. They don't make it easy to do that. No. No. So that's one of the things. But But I do enjoy... Uh, working on uh, archaeological sites. I, I enjoy processing the information. I enjoy the working with the government. I like these things. So, um, you know, and your, your kids are younger too, and they, they also come with you to Bulgaria when you go on your digs. And yes. I'm sure they're quite familiar with the process and all the stuff that goes on. What do you, what do your kids think about archaeology? Are they too young to even think that, oh, I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to find uh, a regular job or anything like that? that yes, they think they're going to, well, the, the little one doesn't think anything. The big one thinks I'm going to find another job. And then they think that I rob graves. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I kind of pulled Hazel to tell them in school that I'm a tomb robber. <laughs> you'd be kind of like uh you'd be kind of like the the movie right yes 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 definitely you know, indiana jones exactly that that's that's yeah my, my mom digs up dead people i'm like no 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 i am a tomb robber <laughs> i'm surprised have you already done a show and tell at her school so that you can tell them what they do what you do i i, I before covid but she was, but they were in a very small, younger class. But then COVID hit, and I was going to do it in third grade, but it didn't mm -hmm. work out. Okay, so you know what? I know how hard it is to get a PhD just from watching all of you guys struggle through it and do all your research and everything. And you should be really proud of that because no matter what people say, that that is like the penultimate of all, I guess, education when you come to that level, right? Yeah. So having gone through all of, you know, the different uh, steps to finally get to your goal, what would you want to tell other people about following their dreams? Uh, I definitely don't think everybody's following dreams needs to be tenu tenuous and it doesn't need to be hard. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be. It could be a really enjoyable process. Like my master's was a really easy, enjoyable process. Mm -hmm. um, the PhD was like squeezing a dried lemon mm -hmm. uh, at the end. <laughs> yes. uh, but because I think part of it is because I did realize that, wait a second, 
I am finishing my PhD into a wall. Mm-hmm. So my 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 advice is before you like dedicate yourself to something, especially in academia, if you're if you're if your goal is going to involve academia, mm-hmm. I, I again I don't think this is like if you're telling me I'm going to open a bead shop, I don't mm-hmm. think I can give you that advice. This is mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. If your goal is going to involve academia, you better really want to be a professor in the humanities if this mm-hmm. is what if that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. i think if you're in like a engineering or maths they, mm-hmm. that's not a problem mm-hmm. but if you're going to be an artist a musician a sociologist a, a historian art historian archaeologist any of these things you 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 really need to uh, do things in a way that would guarantee you that thing. And but and the problem is that our society and our uh, environment in the school system in America does not provide you that environment necessarily because so many more PhDs are graduated than their openings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, always always think of an alternative thing that would make you happy. Like mm-hmm. if you could live your life again, what would you also be happy in doing? Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be an archaeologist, so I'm an archaeologist. But but would I be? Uh, I w- I would probably be really happy as a painter, or I would be really happy as a geologist, mm-hmm. or I would be really happy as a volcanologist. <laughs> I would be happy as I, I know I you know I think the best way to achieve your goal is to figure out what you will be super unhappy doing. That's the best way to achieve your goal. Wait, how does that fit in? The best way to to ensure that you're going to have a, a very fulfilling life is mm-hmm. to not go down a road that you know will make you unhappy. Oh, that way. Yes, yes, of course. So, but you don't so know it, that. But you don't know that unless you do it and you realize how unhappy mm-hmm. you are. Well, you probably know yourself, right, a little mm-hmm. bit. So if it's like, I, I really like money. I'm going to be an engineer. No, I'm going to be a businessman. Now, I, I might like my money, but I know I'm going to hate being a businessman. Mm-hmm. So I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there, oh, so there has to be a balance, right? There has mm-hmm. to be there has to be a balance. You you don't need to be like in ecstasy every time you go to your job. Mm-hmm. That 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 is incredibly unrealistic and in a in a and in a really it's, it's like a super privileged ideology. It, like, it, like, mm-hmm. You don't have to you don't have to like lick kiss the ground you walk on every time you go to a job a job. <laughs> you know, you, you have to you just have to not want to shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> true, true, very true. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody not everybody has to uh not everybody uh, to have a good life, not everybody needs if we're talking about careers here. Mm-hmm. It, you can find more than one way to do what you want to do. Like that. If you if you if you really want to be a like a jewelry maker, it doesn't have to be your job. You could right. do it as a hobby. Right, right, right. right. I really, I, I really, I really wanted to be an opera singer mm-hmm. during my uh, bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to be a bachelor uh, opera singer, and I'm really talented in it. By the way, mm-hmm. I, I had all the skills needed, but I hated it i hated the process i hated singing in front of people like that i hated being i hated having to do 15 hours a day of just practicing that and i didn't do it mm-hmm. so sometimes uh, doing doing uh, doing the pat you love could make you really hate the thing you really love true 
That is very true. So I'm, I'm saying, uh, I, I think people, uh, their goals and people should definitely follow their goals, but they shouldn't run into a wall blindly while filing those goals. Wise. That is, there's a wise to think about it like that. <laughs> looking, yeah. looking back, knowing what you know now, what are some of the lessons you've learned or you wish you had learned that you, or you would tell your younger self? Uh, these the ones that we just discussed these are the lessons i would learn i I, I don't i need to think more realistically i need to think more about my context Mm. Uh, but when i was following my goals i mean i I think i think it would be very different if i wasn't married and had kids okay so i think i would be but because when i started following my goals i i was free Uh uh-huh Okay. But now I'm not. I think, I think that's the thing. Like, it, so maybe the, the the like a very specific to me lesson will be like, uh, maybe sometimes you need to compromise between like a family and a career if 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 the career is going to involve you running around the world. Okay. Yeah. You know, like they say, you can achieve everything that you want, just not all at the same time. Just not all the same. Right. Right. So I'm saying I feel very limited and stuck right now, but I am a hundred percent sure if I wasn't married with kids, I, I could go in Zimbabwe for, for all I care and mm-hmm. do archaeology there and be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. So but, part of, part of everything I'm saying is again, situational. And it'll change. It won't be like that. It won't be permanent. It'll change. Yes. So you, when you make a goal and you follow a goal, I, I, I didn't do, I didn't think about other parts of my life. I only mm-hmm. thought of that. Uh, okay. Well, I guess that comes with, you know, when you, once you experience it is how you, 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 you figure it out. And so the next time you have to do something, you know, right? Yeah. Next time you choose differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if there's a different life, I will choose differently. <laughs> So what advice would you give to your daughter when it comes to her turn to, now? because she's born and brought up in the U.S., right? And she's seen you working on digs. She's seen you going to Bulgaria. She's seen you do it in the U.S. Uh, what advice would you give her? I would give, I would give her the advice uh, to do something she loves, but something that uh, it, uh, you mean it, you mean in life or in career wise or both? Both. So you want your daughter to be happy, and you you've been through the you know because you followed your goal, you followed your dream, you've done all the things that you, at least you know you're still young, you're a lot of way to go. But when your daughter is getting ready to go to college and trying to figure out what major she wants to take, what she wants to do, what would you tell her? Uh, I would tell her that. I mean, it's, it's okay to make mistakes and she could make them in terms of like oh, the things she graduates, but she, 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 she should probably evaluate all p- potential paths better than I did. Mm-hmm. So not be like, I'm blind to everything else. I want to be a, I don't know, a movie maker. That's it. I'm closing my eyes to any other discipline. I'm blind and that's it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I think she shouldn't do. I, I would give her that advice. I think that's, that's a good that's a good thing because in this country you have a lot of options and you can do it anytime you want. 
Right. And we don't even have a, we don't even have like a, a honing in type of institution where like they, you, um, in, in, in Bulgaria, for example, or in Turkey, or I mean, most of Europe, you don't, you, it's not like you get to choose what you're going to do. You know, you take a test and whatever your score falls under, they tell you all the things you could be in and you do things you can be. Mm-hmm. So you take, like you, have, you take really intense tests, writing, math, dubba, 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 and they categorize you into a few universities and a few options. Mm-hmm. So, but while in America, you could just yeah. explode. Yeah, it could be anything you want every year. If you could have a different career every year, if you wanted to. Yes, you could delve into a different career. So I, I think that that could be dangerous. Again, like you could just, <laughs> yeah. You may take up upon something that you, but where there's no there's no uh, institution to evaluate your skills prior to it. <laughs> true, 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 true. Now, but this is good. Uh, it's a it's a very good insight. I had no idea about you know Bulgaria being such a rich in archaeology and how archaeology is taken almost like a profession over there. So I think that this is a very uh, there was a, there was a really cool insight. So thank you for sharing, Denise. Thank and, you. Thank you for uh, for spending this time with me. No, no. And thank you for um, and thank you for your time. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.